Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast. Join me every other week to hear data professionals discuss how data is used in various industries, get inspired, get your field of tips to help you overcome challenges on your career, and feel great. Let's get straight into it. I am joined today by Kavya Gupta, Head of Product Analytics at PaymentSense. In this episode, you will hear all about product analytics, what it is, why it's important, what is the structure of a typical team, but also Kavya's view on what skills are important in a product analytics team. Having come to data from software engineering, Kavya will share how she overcomes the challenges she faces heading a team that is more technical than she is. And as promised last week, at the end of this episode, you will hear from former guests of the podcast talking about career fulfillment and what it means for them. Hi, Kavya. Hi, Karen. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Women in Data podcast. We're going to talk about product analytics today, but before we get into it, could I invite you to introduce yourself? Sure. Well, it's first of all, it's a pleasure and I feel honored talking about product analytics. I'm from India and I came to London about six years back and I've been in data world since then and never looked back. I know we're going to talk about it in a moment, but what's your job title and uh, what kind of things you do? Uh, Right now, I'm in a fintech called PaymentSense, and I've joined there as a head of product analytics. So my role includes everything about the product data, how how we are making sure the company is developing its product in a very data-driven manner, and customer is at the heart of the development. Head of product analytics on super fancy. What is product analytics? So before I go into product analytics, I would like to say what is product and generally this entire concept of product product teams was created to have more cross-functional self-sufficient teams so it's a team where you have typically pm and developers back end front end and the designers ui ux researchers and the data team i'll talk about data team but the entire idea is the team focuses on one area or one feature of the business or the product and they do it in a very customer focused manner so they are small startup within themselves to help the product teams to be data driven i.e help them create an informed decision for for the product development they would need a product data team which i think of as a trio of complementing skills which is generally data engineering data analyst and data scientist Data engineers, they lay the groundwork of data to work with data analysts and data scientists use. If the foundation collects bad data, we will only get bad data. A typical data engineering role would require building APIs for data consumption, integrating external or new data sets into the existing pipelines, applying feature transformation for machine learning models on new data, continuously monitoring and testing the system to ensure optimized performance. And then you have data analysts or in some companies, Uh, you might see them called as BI. 
they take the available data translate them into the information that is meaningful for the business the data they gather will help answer the business's question this is what it means to be data driven analyst role would generally be using descriptive statistics to get a big picture view of their data analyzing interesting trends found in the data creating visualizations and dashboards to help the company interpret and make decisions with the data and the third layer the trio as i mentioned is data scientist they use more predictive statistics so evaluating statistical models to determine the validity of analysis and in the product world what's very common is the experimentation multivariant testing for constant test and learn framework so that in whole these three complementing skills make product analytics in my view now i have seen various structures in various companies in some companies you would just have one data person who's wearing multiple hats and doing all of these bits and then you could have big companies where you have army of in data engineers analysts and scientists so but i just can't imagine how busy that one person wearing all the hats would be <laughs> doing jobs in one that sounds horrible thank you for explaining really well how the team is structured this really gives us a good view of what a product analytics team looks like So you've mentioned testing things you also mentioned answering business questions what kind of business questions are you trying to answer so at the core of everything is customer and all the business questions which data helps to answer is who is my customer what do they want am i cus- uh, is my customer satisfied overall everything that product does is to make customers life easy or I I would like to think that's the product is meant for they always set goals companies use KPIs or OKRs different structures but the idea is like companies or business have a high level business wide KPI or goal and then the product teams have their specific goals which all roll up finally to the company's goal an ideal project might look like that the business or pm who generally uh, represents the strategy has an hypothesis which is mostly based on either some solid research done which gives us qualitative insight or businesses have a very good understanding from the past experiences so you would have an hypothesis and then you design an experiment with the data scientist or data analyst in the team set the quantifiable success metrics that's very important when you're talking about a data driven project because it is important what you're measuring against is quantifiable and then uh, you conduct the experiment now this is a very typical mvt style of pro- project and it's successful for online changes but there are often operational stuff like a company could have a sales team and they train the team for a new thing and they want to see the impact of how that training has impacted say the newly onboarded customers right so you have various statistical methods uh, frameworks to help you understand the impact those are the typical customer questions I I would like to talk about customer satisfaction because you mentioned that but before I ask you that question for people who are listening to us and might not be yet in the industry so they want to be in the industry do you have uh, an example of questions you would have that they could see exactly what it is yeah so a typical product teams question could be 
I am implementing a feature or I have done X. What is the impact? Or 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 let's say more in the product world, as I said, most of the product development is to improve customers' life. So they say, I am improving the feature to make it easier for the customer to use my product or use my app. And they would implement a feature. Can you can you tell me if the customer satisfaction has improved? How do you actually measure that? Because I'm uh, guessing I, I don't know. Do people lie on the questions do you (laughs) how do you measure it I also used to think the only way to measure customer satisfaction is what companies generally use surveys they would use a term called CSAT customer satisfaction score which is based mostly based on service but from my one of my managers I learned the school thing concept which is very obvious but in a very data manner was implicit and explicit signals. The idea is you measure the customer satisfaction on both uh, grounds. One is the explicit, which is mostly uh, based on rich qualitative data collected through the research and the service. The reason I say it's rich is because you're talking, generally you're talking to the person or the customer's expressing themselves and they're not constrained in a question, there are other uh, subcontexts to the customer problems and their experiences. So they're very rich, but it's limited. And then, especially when you are talking about surveys, surveys come with a lot of biases. At what time did the user answer the survey? Was the user in a good mood or not? And also you have other complex layers of, you know, sometimes product doesn't have only one type of user, there are different types of users. For example, in a delivery company, you could have a, a rider, you could have a cook who's cooking the food, a person who's taking the orders in the front of the receptionist and all of that sort of, or it could be a manager not sitting in the kitchen. So who is answering that survey is the question the the experience you're trying to make better is that right for the survey answer so surveys come with a lot of biases but at the same time they can give you a very rich insight into your customer's experience then the second one which is actually measurable and i feel from a very data mindset is the true satisfaction is the implicit signals so this is something very close to the customer's behavior on your product or around your product. And one good example to convey this is think of a company which shows all the TV or show recommendation, movie recommendations. And when they would have first launched the recommendations, instead of asking, they could have asked the service that, did you like the recommendations we provided you? But an implicit way is they looked at how much a customer is scrolling down the list of all the movies or TV shows. If they would have liked the recommendations, recommendation, the hypothesis could be they won't scroll down much, right? And there are other metrics that would go in the play, like what was the click time, what was the view time, all of that stuff. But yes, the implicit signal is the scrolling of the uh, list. Similarly, in any any feature, product new feature or a project, you can find those implicit signals. Other good one is generally CS contacts. If you are improving something, probably the customer service contacts would reduce those. And in summary, customer satisfaction, I split it into explicit and implicit signals. And it's important to t- keep track of both. <laughs> that sounds great. So I was thinking when you were talking about the, the second one so it's really about setting your key metrics right and making sure that you follow that to be able to 
to know how a customer feels about the product. You mentioned earlier there's three types of people who form a product analytics team. I'm guessing they all have different skills, unless, as you mentioned, is one person filling all three roles. But what skills would they would you need in a product analytics team? Yes, the skills for the three different roles I mentioned earlier are very different, the hard skills especially. But what's similar is the soft skills. And personally, when I'm hiring for my team or in our company, when we do, we look for the people, not the role. And I always say soft skills are more important and hard to learn simply using an online course, whereas technical skills can be learned if you have the right mindset. So the soft skills I... Uh, look for is the mindset the analytical mindset and that they're equally comfortable with the unknowns with the ambiguity because in most of the time when you are in the data world you don't know what you're starting to do overall they must be curious they must ask why they're just not machines building out new stuff Having said that, it is important to have some technical skills, again, based on the level of hiring. If it's someone junior, they could have the right mindset and learn all the technical skills on the job. But generally, the skills I would say are statistical knowledge, coding ability like SQL, Python, R, or visualization ability, Looker, Tableau. So these are more generalized skills, which mostly a one-man army would do when they're in a role wearing multiple hats. But if you have to split it, the different skills, I would like to uh, say d- data engineering skills are more around. They have enough knowledge of various data warehouses we have, like data warehouse and storage skills, GCS, AWS, for building collection and ingestion processes and all the data flows and flow processes and ETL tools like Kafka, Airflow, DBT, whereas an analyst would need very strong sequeling skills, visualization. There are so many tools, but most of the company leaders I think are Tableau and Looker. And then the data scientist would require more statistical knowledge on different data science methodologies. So this is your team. How about you? What is your role in all of these? Well, I'm merely a bridge between the data team's daily nitty-gritty nuances and the bigger business picture. Okay, so taking a step back, when I joined PaymentSense, it was working towards launching a new payments processing platform, an acquirer in payment terms, as we say. And this is Dojo, the new product that we launched. The company had seen and understood the customer pain in a traditional payment processing setup and the vision for the new platform had customer at its core. From the very beginning, since I heard the vision and the plans from our founders, I was excited and I I bought into the product. I loved the product. I believed in it. I knew the area where I could make an impact and it was product analytics. The company knew they want to be data-driven. They want to keep customer at its heart and it had never done product style development before so I found it to be the perfect opportunity for me so I stepped in as a head of product analytics in payment sense and dojo uh, which is the new product dojo is growing fast and we are working on a lot of exciting technical pieces so my role is to ensure that all the new features and products that we are building are developed with the data mindset and we are in a position later on to leverage data to improve our product further because as i said earlier if you don't collect the right data from the very beginning you don't have the foundation the lego pieces to build the entire castle it will fall apart so 
you you yeah. can't really analyze data you don't have right yeah exactly you you put it very well my day to day includes collaborating with various product stakeholders and connecting them all through data ensuring that we have a 360 degree view of the data flow and we are not creating silos and in the end we have that holistic view of the user journey and i say user here not customer because in the entire business view like in the current payments and industry our user is not just the customer the end merchant it could also be the product we are doing for our cs agents who needs great tools so they can support the customer well it could be the sales team the payment consultants so the user of the product is what we are working towards so yeah as i said i'm just the bridge between the actual technical skills and the business problems one thing i always try to do when working with my team is to provide the purpose direction and a strong sense of why especially in tech for most of the individual contributors i think it is very important to know why you're doing something and if you know that you believe in that you can produce better things and definitely knowing the why helps a lot with motivation <laughs> especially if you're yes. working on a long term project so you come from software engineering is that why you got into product analytics when you swap into the data side of things it's interesting now when i look back i laugh so i started my career after uni i started my career in accenture as a software engineer and i completely felt lost in the crowd one in many many thousands i couldn't see what impact i was making or i was far detached from the core company's business and the values so back then i thought i don't like engineering it's something i don't enjoy but i always wondered in high school i had loved coding i loved computer science now when i look back i think it was not the engineering that i hated mostly it was also this the entire startup culture versus the big corporate culture which made me shift to data but hey i'm happy i'm happy to have shifted to data so when i moved to london i had made this decision that i don't like engineering and i'm looking for something else and i ventured into different areas and that time i had no clue about data science this entire big world of data science or how hot it is and there's so many roles in this i was just looking for some sort of hybrid role something that would keep me close to the business strategy and still be technical so i found a role as my first role in london was in a startup called kawao and the role was published as analytics developer i was like okay that sounds like analytical and it has some aspects of development something what i'm looking for and could help me make the transition and the only technical skills i had was sql knowledge basic sql knowledge and uh, luckily i had done my internship in high school on a recommendation engine which came very handy to get this job so that was the beginning and that was just the starting of a very demanding but equally rewarding career yeah sounds very interesting actually and of course you're happy you in data it's the best field to be in so I- i'm guessing you coming from a non data background and then making your way there from software engineering but so going from that to data and now you are head of a data team that has to come with some challenges how did it feel stepping into that role oh yeah that's so true it was not easy initially i had all sorts of 
the imposter syndrome and can I lead the team? I had always got feedback on managing multiple projects together. I'm good at that and everything. But actually being ahead of a team was a bit daunting. But my manager, the chief data officer, he always had confidence in me. And he liked to say this, what versus how. There were two big problems for me was one, imposter syndrome, that am I the right one? And am I doing the right thing? And on top of that, you led the sad fact of sexism in the work culture women have to fail. So society's perception of you as a woman and expectations from you are not going to change anytime soon. So you will have one extra hurdle at each stage of life that is to pass that cognitive bias people have. And I just see that as one more hurdle. But once you have crossed that, it's equally hard for everyone. And you don't have to worry about that bias anymore once you have crossed that bridge. My second challenge was the managing people who are stronger than me technically because I had left the technical space earlier and moved more into the analytical mindset. And this is where my manager's tips came very handy. He always used to say what versus how. So whenever I have that syndrome again, or the combination of imposter, or I'm not technical enough to lead such technical people, I think of these people, I give them full ownership, and they know the best how to do something. My task is to know what is to be done to connect the business problems into the data problems. And so I say what, and they tell me how. So that has helped me a lot. This but is yeah. actually a really good tip. I like how you put it. So the what versus how. So the how would be your teams dealing with that. And the what would be you, as you said, also helping them with the why. I think there are such great leaders out there and there's still so much to learn. I would like to get more tips on this, to be honest. I still think I need to learn a lot more in this area. You know what, Kavya, I think this is a problem so many people have because data teams are getting bigger and then more and more people are interested into data. You have so many leaders who are leading teams but are not that technical themselves. So they are technical but not as strong as people coming on the market or people who have been doing very advanced things. So I am going to bring you someone to answer that question. Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, wow. Keep your, keep your eye on it. And then we will deal with that issue on the podcast. Uh, that would be amazing and really helpful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Karen, for having me. Before you go, I promised last week that at the end of this episode, you will hear from more women talking on career fulfillment and what it means for them. So here you go. We will start with Sumeda Menon, who was a guest on the podcast in December 2020, and she was talking about her transition from data analytics to data science. I would say that my definition of a fulfilling career is a career that is quite intrinsically rewarding in itself. And for me, that really boils down to three areas, which I call as the three P's. So number one is, do I have a sense of purpose? Number two, do I have a sense of progress? And number three is the pace of work right and sustainable for me. So what do I mean by that? So a sense of purpose to me is about having a feeling of accomplishment from your work. Is the work that I'm doing actually having impact? Is it enabling the organization to meet its goals? So is it meaningful in that sense? And am I also getting the opportunities to empower others? So 
um, my peers and people that I work with? Am I getting to contribute to their professional development? And am I getting to um, contribute to some of the larger kind of societal challenges as well? Is my organization supportive of that? And is it enabling me to um, do that effectively? The second, which is around having a sense of progress, is about um, learning and growing every day and getting enough opportunities to develop professionally and um, opportunities for career advancement. Equally, the third element around having the right pace is quite important uh, for me personally. So I'm someone who is quite invested in and motivated by my work. But if I needed to work 18 hours a day to accomplish everything that I want to accomplish, then I would find that to be quite draining. Um, so in my quest for, you know, accomplishing professional fulfillment, I don't want to forego my physical and mental well-being. And so I look at career fulfillment a bit more holistically and um, the right work-life balance is actually quite key for me to uh, find my career to be fulfilling. And now with David Spikerman, who joined in the podcast in 2020 as well, and she was talking about geospatial analytics. A fulfilling career for me is one in which I can develop my own unique strengths and vision and with that, it can contribute to solving societal challenges. For this career to be successful, these contributions I make should then be recognized and lead to having an even bigger platform, uh, more impact and a larger reach. That's it for this week. I'm really looking forward to next week's episode. Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. If you don't want to miss the next episode, make sure you follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on LinkedIn. You can also register to the community for free by heading to womenindata.co.uk. We would love to hear from you, so don't be shy and drop us some feedback or a review. This will help us enhance the content and bring the guests that you want to hear from. Have a great day.